0: Our scripture this morning comes from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Thank you, God, for this reading of your word.
1: Hey, thanks, Brian, for reading it, and welcome to all of you, and it's good to see you, all of you uh, here in person, and welcome to all of you online. Uh, You know, this past week I attended the Great Plains Annual Conference along with more than a thousand other people. And like every year, the biggest highlight for me is when it's over. (laughs) (laughs) Do you ever feel that way about something? Don't say about church, please. Anyway, United Methodist pastors and lay members from Kansas and Nebraska gathered at the La Vista Conference Center. And out of all of those 1,000-plus people, I figure I live the closest. And I think they did it just for me, don't you? <laughs> Although somebody said, no, they live closer than I do. Maybe that's true. All right. Uh, anyway, Saturday morning, the bishop, they did the formal thing. They said they fixed the appointments. So that means starting July 1st, I'm going to be your pastor for yet a A 13th year, huh? I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord God, we open ourselves right now to your word and your spirit. And uh, Lord, as the scripture says, let us not be conformed to this world and its pattern. But let us be transformed by the renewing of our minds Lord, light us with a holy fire that we may live holy lives, the kind that you've called us to. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I invite you to stand and let us affirm our faith together with the words of the Apostles' Creed. And if you are new to this or if it doesn't reflect your beliefs, just feel free to just listen and and. When I was a sophomore at Nebraska Wesleyan, I got a phone message uh, at the frat house, and uh, somebody named Glenn Lightbody had called and asked if I would call him back, and I'd never heard of him, uh, and, and this was before telemarketing. Did you know there was a time before telemarketing? And so I thought, okay, I'll just call him back, uh, Anyway, I did, and he he invited me to a national conference uh, that spring for college students. It was going to be held in Oklahoma, and the conference would explore the moral and spiritual dimensions of leadership. And he asked if, you know, I maybe could get a few other students to go along. And to this day, I still have no idea how he got my name. Anyway, that spring, uh, my best friend and I and three of our female college friends crammed into a car, and made the trip over a long weekend to Oklahoma State campus in Stillwater. And uh, when I got there, the crowd nearly packed the arena. And the biggest thing that I remember that we learned that weekend is that Jesus is our model for leadership. By leading as a servant, uh, Jesus drew people to himself. And when we practice servant leadership, we will draw people To Jesus. Glenn Lightbody, the guy who had called me, was there, and we got to know him a little bit. And we returned home and we shared with all of our sisters and brothers in Christ on campus this vision of how God works through this Jesus style servant leadership. Now, the following year, there were not just one conference, there were three conferences uh, like this in the nation. One of them was at Princeton. And one of them, I think, was at Southern Cal and one was at Nebraska-Westland, hosted and organized completely by students. Let me tell you, it was a massive undertaking there. It required dozens of us in the planning process and the execution. Glenn Lightbody was always there at the side, uh, smiling and encouraging us on we brought in speakers from across the nation business leaders community leaders people who ministered to politicians and prisoners and we promoted it to college students all over the country and thousands of them found their way to Lincoln to explore the spiritual and moral dimensions of leadership it was it was life-changing experience for all of us especially those of us who we're helping put it on and, and, and the lessons that we received on servant leadership today we are continuing our series called "You are Made for this," and we are walking through uh, the first letter of peter today's message is about happy to be humble, happy to be humble now Peter wrote this letter, first Peter we call it, to encourage jesus' people who are facing all kinds of harassment in their communities. And and in today's scripture, he talks to the leaders of the church. And and so here's my one-sentence summary of this passage. Among Jesus' people, leaders are to be humble, willing servants, not ego-driven bosses. And that's the heart of today's message. I want you to picture right now, if you would, uh, two faces. One is Ukrainian President Zelensky, and the other is Russian President Putin. Which one is the humble servant and which one's the ego driven boss? Not hard to tell, is it? Nations, of course, they can elect whatever kind of leaders they want, and they do. But as for our house, that is, among Jesus' people, leaders are to be humble. Willing servants, not ego-driven bosses. Would you grab a Bible? Uh, maybe you brought one or the one in front of you. Uh, either one is great. And uh, let's open it to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to start with verse 1. And, and I would invite you to keep this open throughout the message because we're going to be walking through this passage. Now, here he addresses in verse 1 the, the elders of the church. Who are the elders? Elders is translated from the Greek word presbyteros. And if you think that sounds like Presbyterian, you are exactly right. Uh, Presbyterians grant governing authority to a group of elders in each local church. Let's look at verse 1. To the elders among you, I appeal to you as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Many congregations, uh, like the Presbyterians, are governed by a, a permanent board of elders, and they are these people are members of the church. Methodists uh, don't do it this way. We're part of a tradition which calls its ordained clergy the elders. I remember many, many years ago. I was a pastor for two years, and then I was finally approved and ordained as an elder in 1983. How could I be an elder at the tender age of 26? I'm not sure I was ready for it, but the the church gave me this responsibility and authority. In the New Testament, being a a presbyteros, an elder, was was probably not so much a matter of age, but more of leadership. Now today, I'm an elder in all its meanings. (laughs) My age and experience have caught up with my ordination feels kind of good, really. We could also translate presbyteros as leader. And that's what Eugene Peterson does in the message, the par- in, in the message paraphrase. Uh, and I want you to know I consider so many of you to be leaders in the church. Many of you have served on important committees and teams in the church. You are a leader. Many of you contribute to the leadership of your faith group. You are a leader. Many of you take leadership in children's ministry, in student ministry, in mission work. You are a leader. In verse 2, Peter tells them how to exercise their leadership. He says, be shepherds of the church of God. Now, the English word pastor comes right out of this New Testament image of a, of a shepherd pasturing. The flock. So, pastor, pasture, kind of the same thing. Uh, Trish and I went to a, a Mexican restaurant uh, Friday night and I saw Al Pastor on the menu. And I immediately thought of Pastor Al, our business manager. <laughs> <laughs> Are you here, Al? I'm not sure. Anyway, pa- Al Pastor means simply shepherd style, uh, whatever that is about, but that's the meaning of it. So, uh, I'm the pastor, the, the shepherd of the church, but many of you are also pastors because you're all, we're all a part of, of, of taking care of the flock. You, you're, you're caring for each other every day. Peter tells these shepherds to be on guard against the wolves who will attack the flock. He says these wolves may even emerge from within your own congregation. And what will be their agenda? To distort the truth and draw disciples away from Jesus and to themselves. And they can be very sneaky. In a previous church, there was a, a young men's small group that met on Friday, even, Friday mornings before work. And uh, anyway, a co-worker of one of the guys uh, started coming to the group, which we always welcome, you know. Well, within a few months, this new guy... Uh, was, he was very charismatic and he was taking over the group. And he was introducing some strange new teachings and pressuring these young men to leave their church and come to his. Fortunately, one of them told me about it, and I knew what I had to do. I'm the shepherd, I had to take authority to protect the flock. So I decided to come to their next group meeting, and when the, and when the new uh, newcomer found out about it, that I was going to be there, he didn't show, and he never came back again. I have a responsibility to protect this church from all enemies, from within and from without. Now, I, I want to read verse 2, especially uh, for you who are going to be VBS crew leaders uh, tonight and for the next few nights. It says... Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Watching over them. That means don't lose any of them, okay? <laughs> Not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Don't be a crew leader because you got pressured into it, even though you may have been <laughs> pressured into it. Be willing, be, be glad you're doing it, be glad you're there. Go in with a good attitude. And, you know, it's the same for me leading this church. Uh, You could say I was pressured into it because I was sent here. I was appointed to Faith Westwood, but I came willingly. I accepted the role as your shepherd to build up the church, to teach the Holy Scriptures, to lead you in the way of Jesus, and to guard against those who could lead you astray. In the rest of verse 2, Peter talks about the motivation of a shepherd. It says, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. I want you to know that this is especially true for all of the ministry directors and the support staff at Faith Westwood. They're not in it for the money. They could do a lot better in other lines of work. They do it because for them, this is a calling, and they do it because they love the Lord and they love you. They are here to serve. So I just wonder, could we show them our appreciation? <laughs> and when you see them, tell them the same thing, will you? And then verse 3 uh, tells these shepherds how to tend the sheep. It says, not lording it over those entrusted to you, and as it's not bossing them around, but by being examples to the flock. In any organization, a leader's primary role is to create culture. Now, I know that may sound a bit ac- academic, but, but it's going to be true this week. For all of you serving in VBS, you are creating a culture, a safe environment, a place where kids can come to love God and follow Jesus. Your example of enthusiasm and love and faith and peace and joy, uh, they're going to make all the difference. Among Jesus' people, leaders are called to be humble, willing servants, not ego-driven bosses. And Peter says there's a reward waiting for that kind of leadership. You know, in the ancient Olympic Games, uh, uh, the winners of the various events uh, received a wreath made of leaves to wear on their heads. And verse four tells what kind of reward that God's faithful shepherds will receive. It says, "And when the chief shepherd appears—that is, when Jesus returns—you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away." You know, in the Olympic games back in those days, the the leaves of the crown—if you—if you you win a race, uh, those leaves would soon wither, and the color would fade. And the glory of that victory would fade with it. But it says here, there is a reward that will never fade away. And the word translated never fade away comes from a flower known for its ability to resist fading. This crown will not lose its luster. Now, I don't know what that's going to be. I doubt if it's going to be a physical crown. And I think about what what kind of reward could I imagine? And for me, I think the the greatest reward would be hearing from people uh, about the difference I made in their lives on this earth. And the reward that I would give them is telling them the positive difference that they made in my life. It will be a crown of glory that will never fade. Then in verse 5, he addresses those who are not the elders, okay? He says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. It doesn't mean that the young adults have to, you know, take orders from the older people. It means showing respect to those in leadership. And then going on in verse 5, Peter adds, all of you. So the elders and the youngins, uh, it says, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Elders, younger ones who aren't elders yet, show humility toward one another. Humility works best when it's a two-way street. You know, I, I always find that it's easy to respect a leader who respects you. Now, in the Bible, being prideful uh, is is when we decide to be our own boss and push God to the side, right? I mean, I think that you see that all throughout the Bible. Being a a, a sort of the basis of sin and and being prideful is deciding, I'm going to run my life my own way. I'm going to be my own boss and pushing God to the side. And that's why Peter quotes Psalm 34 here. He says, God opposes the proud, it shows favor to the humble. So my question is, do you want to live under the opposition of God or under the favor of God? Will you be proud or humble? Now, Peter, it took him many times to learn this lesson, probably does for all of us. Uh, one of the first times that he met Jesus, uh, Peter and his fishing buddies were cleaning their nets. And, and uh, after a fishless night of fishing, uh, you know, they, now that the sun was up, uh, he, there was no use going back out on the lake because the fish had all gone down to the bottom to stay cool in the heat of the day. And then Jesus surprised him by telling him to head back out, cast out their nets, Peter, he's tired. He's been up all night working. (laughs) And what does Jesus know about fishing? He's a carpenter. And Peter says, well, we've worked all night, (laughs) and we have nothing to show for it. Kind of like, that's stupid. (laughs) That's proud Peter. And then he says, but because you say so, I will do it. I will let down the nets. That's humble Peter. So they went out, they they cast their nets, and they brought in the catch of a lifetime. How do you want to live? Under the opposition of God or under the favor of God? And so Peter's writing this letter to the harassed sisters and brothers, and and he tells them to to stay humble and to be faithful. And in the end, God's going to work it out. Okay, God's going to work it out for good. Hang in there. Verse 6 Verse six says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's almighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And until then, while you're enduring the hardships and the sufferings, it says, Cast all your anxiety on him, because... He cares for you. So that, that's verse 7. Cast all your anxiety, whatever suffering that you're going through, whatever, you, whatever painful situations and unfair circumstances that you're dealing with, cast the net of your anxiety on him. Toss it out there. Whatever you're worried about, troubled about, so uncertain about, cast that net of anxiety out there because he cares for you. Cast that net out and see what you catch. See what you bring in. He cares for you. His favor rests upon you. Let's pray. Good, good Father, you are the all-knowing, all-wise, almighty God, and amazingly, you care for us. And you invite us to be humble and to rest in your favor. Lord Jesus, you have revealed the humility of God. And now we hear those words ringing in our hearts, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. And so, Lord, we bow before you, trusting that you will lift us up. Holy Spirit, will you please anoint the many leaders in this church and let them be shepherds who live as examples for the flock. Guide them to be servant leaders. And now we're going to take a couple of minutes um, so that each of us can pray silently to the Lord, whatever is on our hearts and And uh, you may pray where you're seated. If you'd like to come forward, you can stand or kneel here at the steps. Let's pray.